Good morning, everyone. I'm Playbook co-author Ryan Lizza. It's Wednesday, October 25th. Here's what's driving the day. Republicans have a new speaker designate, Representative Mike Johnson of Louisiana, a favorite of the right who emerged from another round of secret balloting by House Republicans last night. Johnson is the guy who was defeated on Monday by Representative Tom Emmer. And today, we'll see if Johnson fares any better than Emmer, who dropped out yesterday after being attacked by Donald Trump. And that brings us to the other big thing driving the day, which is Trump himself and the Trump story here in Washington and in courtrooms around the country. Joining me now to discuss the latest about how Trump has been influencing the House Speaker's race and how the latest developments in the civil and criminal cases may be influencing Trump is national political correspondent Meredith McGraw. Good morning, Meredith. Thanks for having me, Ryan. So Trump is all over the place, as usual. And we thought it'd be a good day to break down sort of the how Trump is affecting a number of things in national politics at the moment. So let's start with the endless House speakers race. I think we're on day 22 today. So we've passed the three-week mark. Trump had a bit of an influence on the fate of Tom Emmer yesterday. So let's start with that. And maybe you can tell us a little bit of the backstory of how Trump, how he has and hasn't been meddling in the speaker's race. Yeah, on Tuesday, Donald Trump threw a torpedo in Emmer's hopes and dreams of being the next speaker of the House when he put out this Truth Social post right after Emmer had secured the nomination internally from the GOP to be speaker. And he called him out of touch with Republican voters, a globalist rhino, a bunch of other things in this post. And it stemmed from a few things we learned. One was that Trump had been asked about Emmer running for speaker when he was at the New Hampshire State House on Monday. And Trump said that he called him on Sunday. He then said that he's looking at a lot of people, but really he just wanted to stay out of the race so far. And Politico, we'd already reported that Trump had made clear to his allies he wasn't a fan of Emmer, but it did seem like he was going to stay out of things. But then Emmer tweeted that video of Trump talking about the phone call, said that he hoped to have a great working relationship with him. And then Emmer also later in an uh, interview with CNN, didn't say if he would support Donald Trump and endorse him. And those two things, Emmer making it seem like he was closer to Trump and a closer <laughs> ally to Trump than he is, and him not coming out and endorsing Trump were two big no-nos for the former president. And he was really irritated by that. He was irritated by the tweet that went out. And once he saw that Emmer didn't have the kind of support that really would put him over the finish line and make him speaker, he sent out that Truth Social post. Um, he got on a call with somebody close to him who I spoke with who said that he killed it. He killed Emmer's run for speakership. And here we are three weeks later without a, a House speaker and Trump once again pushing himself into this really contentious, exhausting, drawn-out fight on the Hill. So Meredith, Tom Emmer could not have played this in a more boneheaded way from this narrative, because it seems like Trump 
actually wasn't going to weigh in strongly one way or the other. And Emmer sort of stupidly used a, a video to make it seem like Trump was uh, quasi endorsing him. And, and then in going on CNN and not endorsing Trump, it sounds like what you're saying is he just he set him off and Trump went from neutral to, you know, neutral slash blase about this race to <laughs> I'm going to torpedo this guy. Is, is that the narrative here? Yeah, that he was just going to squash him. And Trump was also being egged on on the outside, I will say, by people like Boris Epstein, by Steve Bannon, by Laura Loomer, by others who were really against Emmer. They didn't feel like he was MAGA enough. Emmer's known as being one of the more moderate members of the House Republican conference. Um, he also voted against rejecting the 2020 election results. And and that's certainly an issue that I'm sure um, Trump remembered in all of this as well. So it seems like so far, and this may be true for others as well, you know, maybe maybe uh, anyone else um, that is influential with Republicans, that Trump has the ability to sink a candidate, as was the case with Emmer, um, but not to put someone over the top as was the case with his strong endorsement of Jim Jordan. Yeah, I mean, I think you could see this as a bit of a Rorschach test, right? Either Trump does have a lot of influence over the party, right, in this case with Emmer, or he doesn't in the case with Jordan, or it just speaks to just how chaotic and all over the place and ungovernable this current Republican conference is that they can't come together at really a critical time. When you look at headlines elsewhere around the world, a lot of the crucial things that the House needs to take care of and they can't get a speaker elected, you know, maybe this just speaks to just how chaotic and out of control this group is. So Meredith, switching to the civil and criminal cases, there have been a, a series of former Trump allies that have negotiated plea agreements with prosecutors in, in various jurisdictions. And the latest one was former Trump lawyer Jenna Ellis. What do you think the, the significance of these agreements are for Trump? And to the extent you know, is, is Trump world freaking out about some of his former close associates becoming government witnesses against him? Yeah. On, on Tuesday, Jenna Ellis pleaded guilty to the election felony in Georgia, and she said that she was going to cooperate with prosecutors there, with Fannie Willis there in Georgia on that RICO case. And she follows Sidney Powell, Kenneth Chesbrough, two other lawyers who were helping Donald Trump when they were trying to devise their plans to subvert the, the 2020 election. And that's just how all of Trump's former attorneys are now being positioned to be the star witnesses in these trials. And it goes beyond Georgia. It's also Michael Cohen, where Donald Trump saw him in court on Tuesday, um, who's been testifying against him in the civil fraud case there in New York, and of course in the Stormy Daniels case. So these are people that had, of course, attorney client privilege that might not be the case anymore, but really have an insight into Donald Trump's thinking around the 2020 election, his thinking about 
some of these schemes that they were coming up with after uh, November and some of the lawsuits that they put forward. And then also just how Trump views all of this. And just to wrap things up, we probably should point out that uh, there was a report from ABC last night that Mark Meadows is cooperating with the special counsel. Meadows' lawyer was trying to push back against that report, but he did not fully deny it. So look for some developments on that. Meredith, thank you so much. Thanks, Ryan. And for your schedule today, the House and the Senate are in. At the White House, President Biden welcomes Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese for a bilateral meeting, a joint press conference in the Rose Garden, and a state dinner. I'm Ryan Lizza. Thanks for listening.